Here we are, Tom. We are on the eve of the trade period. Everything's set to start tomorrow with a few free agency deals already signed off on. How are you travelling on this uh, sort of long weekend in Melbourne? Yeah, no, going well. It was a bit of a, a funny one in the prep for this uh, podcast because this is our first without any sort of games. So we're in that, well, it's the end of the season, so we're, we're straight into it. And yeah, in this little post-grand final, pre-trade week sort of buy, is, it's a bit of a, well, it's not a not as bad as the pre-finals buy, but it's one of those little lulls in the uh, AFL season. And yeah, just, I think there's a bit of anticipation around the uh, the trade period, which, which we'll get to, but... Um, that that little bit of a lull, you're sort of not taking anything uh, too seriously in this particular week, given that it's about to explode with news we're hoping in the uh, the coming week. Yeah, I, I'm finding it. I'm finding myself a bit out of whack because, uh, and for the listeners who don't know, I'm a big racing man, and normally after the grand final, we're running the Turnbull Stakes, getting ready for the Caulfield Carnival, and I'm sitting here. I'm recording a podcast on Melbourne Cup Day and yeah. it was an odd one. This is the first Melbourne Cup Day in 13 years that I haven't been trackside and the first one in about nine or ten that I haven't worked um, worked a day and it didn't quite feel like Cup Day but here we are, set, sort of seven weeks till Christmas and trade period starts tomorrow um, with a lot of deals yet to be done and I've seen this reported as you know, deal yet to be done. Well, of course, it's not bloody done. Yeah. You're not allowed to do them. That's like, right. Come on, media, just just pump the brakes a little bit. From Ex- tomorrow, you can start pumping them out. And even, I mean, we rarely see the deals fly in the first few days. It's there is that feeling each other out. Uh, you know, deal wise, you know, a bit of a boxing term. They're just um, trying to work out who's what and what's going. And yes, they're already talking, but it, it really gets serious from tomorrow. But you, I don't think we'll see the deals raining down tomorrow. Um, you know, I think the good clubs that get the deals done early, it's not really ever the first day. So, <laughs> um, you know, we're, we're sort of sitting here. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it is, it is funny. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not as into my racing as you, but even I'm sort of. Uh, got my racing dial up given that we uh, might have snuck the quaddy as well but uh which always helps get you into the racing but yeah it, it's it's i mean it's the, the crazy 2020 so um i mean yeah oaks day to come for you seb and then what is it out at uh what, what do they finish with the stakes day on on saturday but you know afl's crossed into that into that path so don't don't forget sandown yeah yeah sandown no, i always rounded it out with that one the uh the following week but uh, or, to... or dunk or dunk held for our Western District listeners. Uh, there's a there's a fine country meet down there. They get about ten thousand out there. The oh, pop- town's got a population well less than that. Uh, but let look, we're here to talk footy. Although I could do a racing podcast if needed. Uh, this whole Adam Saad uh, debacle saga, depending on how where which side of the fence you sit, um, the Blues currently have pick twelve. Sorry, pick seven in the draft, and they're haggling. What's he worth? Is he? Well, he's not, not worth pick seven. We don't want to give up seven. Obviously, their next pick, based on that, would be twenty-five, and we haven't taken into account any concessions or restricted free agency compo picks. Um, it's Assad at his best is a very damaging halfback flanker, but the Blues have Doherty. Correct. The Blues have signed Zach Williams on big money. Yeah, that that's a big like, deal. That one. That's uh, 
brown paper bags of old down there at Carlton. <laughs> yeah. uh, and I don't feel the Blues need him as much as they more want him. And of course, look, oh, how long have we been recording? About three minutes? It, Dodoro and his list, they tend to overvalue their players. Uh, yeah, it lasted three minutes before I could point yeah, that one out. Yeah, point world. that one out. And that, that's well done because it is the bleeding obvious. But, yeah, look, look, it's a, it's a tricky one. I feel with the Blues, uh, you know, we, we have... I think I've potted them. You might have potted them for their, you know, their ability to accumulate picks and not do a whole lot with them. And I feel like they're sort of in that cycle of... I don't know if they, they really need as many of these high picks anymore. They really start to need... You know, they don't want to be developing, and I think you pointed out the sort of Bredden Bolton. They don't want another four years waiting for these kids to get to get up to AFL consistent standards. So, uh, look, I didn't mind seeing it from their point of view to, to get him in. I think, you know, Simpson retires. There is a slot there at, uh, at half-back. I think they're going to put William, Zach Williams into the middle, uh, what might be the plan. So, look... But pick seven, yeah, it, it it's what you put on that. I guess, um, you know, it, he is a great player, Saad, but he's not, you know, he wasn't an All-Australian. So, um, I mean, he constantly comes up there and I guess the Bombers BNF take of that what you will. But, um, yeah, I, I really am struggling to sort of just, just place him here. But I don't know if, if it's pick seven. I feel like that that's sort of a high value for you, really up and coming, maybe gun 22 to maybe 24 year old bracket it's not a huge bracket now i think about it but you know uh, maybe uh, dylan shield for some reasons jumping to mind i mean he, he went pick nine i think a couple of years ago what, what was the deal there that was for a pretty high pick and yeah, it was pick nine and next year's first round selection so yeah two first round picks for dylan shield oh there you go look i'm struggling to put a put a value on him to be honest well, well what do you reckon uh, I wouldn't be giving up a top 10 pick for a halfback flanker. Yeah. So you draft a kid, and I'm not giving you a specific player, but just look, you've drafted him as a, a midfielder. Let's say he's really talented and you draft him and he could play midfield slash forward, and you start playing him and he shows signs of talent but just doesn't get near it enough and doesn't do enough with it and that sort of stuff. Um you then send him to half back, and suddenly he's able to find his feet because it's the easiest position to play. Yeah, it is the uh, confidence um, builder. Yeah. That's where the Irish, all the Irish boys, seem to find their feet. And Zach Tui's now had more success on the wing, he's kicked a lot of goals this year. Um, but they start down half back because it's the easiest spot to play. Um, in today's football, you need lockdown small defenders. Um, word I've heard out of the Bombers was he was explicitly told to go and play on X player and he said I don't want to do that like I want to run and carry so I'm hesitant to give up something to bring in a first uh, a halfback flanker who doesn't want to defend and just wants to run freely with the footy when you have Doherty who look even though he's coming off a, a couple of bad injuries he's a better player than Saad so yeah I agree with that too do you give up pick seven to get another halfback flanker who is lightning quick and can break the lines and does a hell of a lot of good things, but do do you really need him for that pick seven? I don't think so. Um, in an ideal world, you'd be giving up your second round pick. That definitely won't be enough to satisfy the Bombers, and not, nor do I think they should accept it. Um, 
and that's where in this madness that is trade season, you're going to try and turn pick seven into pick. Uh, yes, what is it? Split them pick up, pick twelve or something, and and get an extra later pick or. Um, just try and move around a few parts. Um, maybe Carlton should be looking at one of their own players that maybe they're not completely sold on. Um, I don't know, Paddy Dow, they seem to be frustrated yeah, that, with, that... but clearly there's a lot of talent. Can you go to him and say, hey, we've drafted you. We think you're talented. We're more than happy for you to play here next year, but there's also a chance to go over to the Bombers where you might get a bit more opportunity. Um, we think they... Look, go and speak to them. They might be going through a bit of a rebuild, but here... It might be better to, for you to have a fresh start as well as us, and then that plus a second round pick. Or you're still giving up a bit considering where you drafted him, but you sort of got to get that out of your head and just go right. His value right now is X. Throw that in with our second. Is that a better deal for Essendon? Um, I don't know. Tell me, Bombers fans, is that would you be more interested than that than trying to get another couple of draft picks? Like, what do the draft picks actually do for you? Yeah, that, that's a fair question about the draft picks. Some, uh, you know, they put a high premium on, on those picks. Some, you know, not as much. I guess it's more speculative. I mean, I, I draft think... draft pick's worth so much more today than it is in three weeks. Like, it's worth so much more to sell the hope than literally an hour after the draft, you've got that player and the worth of it is half of what it was the day before. Because you can pick anyone with a pick, but as soon as you pick someone, that player is not then still worth that first pick. Yeah, look, that that's interesting. I guess I, I always put. I I know myself. I, I put. I mean, the top ten picks I put a fair emphasis on because that's basically if you're going to potentially change the fortunes of your club, that's that's the part of the draft you want to be in and be in regularly. So I wouldn't sort of. You don't want to. It's a play at safe time. I mean, how many clubs have we sort of seen? roll the dice with that real top end top 10 talent it's it's really ever seen i think ever since uh hodgie and uh, uh hawthorne and frio did it back with hodgie i think every club's been gun shy to to do it because they really got burnt on that one but yeah look look it's an interesting one i'm gonna i mean yeah here i am sitting and i think we'll have plenty of time to watch that one play out because that's just going to be your, your classic bombers all trade period sort of story but i'm happy to be proved wrong on that um, but I'm I'm interested in another another uh, big Victorian club uh, going through their own issues at the moment is uh, Collingwood. Um, just just intrigued about what what's going on here. So there's there's bad press coming out. There's Buckley defending the club. There's uh, you know Trelaw, the situation there. There's recruitment team members wanting out. There's you know even like last year Stephenson betting on footy. I'm just wanting to know where there's smoke, is there a fire? And it's got that vibe about it at the moment. I feel, um, you know, the, the coach of the club coming out to defend the playing group and, and sort of that inner sanctum, never a good sign. Um, you know, yes, it might be a slower week and this is getting airtime, but yeah, I, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. So something is going on in there and we're not going to probably see it play out till much later on um, in the, you know, in the future with a little hindsight. But I'm thinking, Seb, at the moment, something's going on down at the uh, Lexus Centre. Yeah, look, for Trelaw to be in this position, Collingwood have read the room wrong, I think. Um, and I don't know any of this for fact, but I think they've read the room wrong. They, their issue, and I've said 
not not about Collingwood, but I've said this line a few times. What in the AFL money talks? Yeah, and that's what this ultimately is the cause of this problem. They've got a salary cap squeeze because they're paying this bloke from America five hundred grand a year. <laughs> is it is um, it that high? I, I thought yeah. it was large, but that, that's big money. No. It's it's huge money for a bloke that shows up once every six weeks. Um, so they've got a salary cap squeeze, and Trelaw's on big money. Yeah. Um, I reckon Buckley would love him to the death, but I reckon his kicking lets him down, and that was one thing Buckley was absolutely elite at, you know, field kicking. So I think they just sort of saw a chance to sort of move him on. His partner signed up there, so it's like, all right, Adam. We're open to you leaving. Um, we can get you up there. You can have your family together. And he's gone, he's turned around and gone, no, I want to stay here. I love playing for this club. And that's put them at odds. And it probably hasn't been Buckley sitting down talking to him. It's been the list management team talking to his manager. And so Buckley and, and Trelaw aren't communicating di- directly about it. They may have since, but not initially. So who knows what message actually got through to where. Um, and... It's now starting to really blow up in their face, and well, like, it's gone very just... public, hasn't it? That that's the that's the yeah. thing. It's really, I mean, it might have been something. I mean, these conversations probably happen in every club within the four walls, and you know the, yep. the robust debate. But this one, this one's got out. So, yeah, there's a genuine squeeze on there. I think that's the same reason Stevenson's like being thrown up because there's a lot of talent there. But he's, look, he's been down on form this year. It's very hard to say whether that's like COVID-related, living in hubs. Um, obviously, he had the the little gambling issue, which set him back a little bit. And, and this year was probably the year he's going to come back and try and get it right and wasn't able to. Um, he wants money. They don't have money. Let's just try and shift him on. Um, yeah, so I'm interested the- when, when you say, so yeah, that they, they, he obviously wants money. There's a few there. So they got Mason on big money. Grundy they just signed Grundy's on check a, as well. Yeah, oh, my check signed as well. Grundy's yep. on enormous money. Who who else would they be balancing on the books? Maybe Taylor Pendlebury, Adams. Pendlebury, Taylor Adams. Um, who else you got running does, around there? I think Darcy they just Moore. gave a deal to uh, yeah Darcy Moore signed a two yearer. Um, I think they gave a new deal to Dacos, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that sounds about right. I know Chris Mayne got renewed. I'm not saying that would have been on big money, but you know he's another one in the books. I mean, they did um, clear Daniel Wells' contract out uh, recently, but yeah, even with that, that hasn't sort of given them any relief. I mean, we I can't. I'm trying to think of recent teams that have had the the cap squeeze. I I mean, off the top, the the historical classic one was I think your uh, your Bombers of the 2000s, and they really just they had they had the biggest squeeze I think we've seen. You sort of lost Carousella, Blumfield, Heffernan, all all those guys, and um, it, you know why, it happens. That's uh, why Wayne Carey didn't want to sign there. <laughs> oh, he could they never have gone. This... To, he could never have gone to the Bombers, could he? Oh, they asked him to come. Jeez, that would they sat, they sat him down and they said. We're sick of playing against you every week and you dominating us. How about you come and play with us? And Dustin Fletcher was in the back and just sort of laughed like, yeah, mate, come on, please. Um, <laughs> he, he didn't want to and he, him and he, Kerry didn't want to go there because they were already having the squeeze and they got to pay Kerry X, so they got to squeeze someone else out and he didn't want to be the reason. Oh, there you um, go. Look, yeah, well, I, digressing there. Little, I went a little, little back tidbit, into history. But, but, um, yeah, look, most clubs have gotten pretty good at managing the yeah. money ever since, obviously through the 80s and the 90s. There was no money management. There was brown paper bag stuff, and 
and finally the AFL decided enough was enough and, and really came down on Carlton almost unfairly. But um, so ever since then, clubs have been really good at managing the time period and all that sort of stuff. And everyone's asked, how's Geelong still got the money while well, they budgeted for Tim Kelly's yeah, that's right. 900 and then they've been able to reuse it. So look, the one thing that, if this stuff about the recruiter, recruiter list manager yeah, over there at Collingwood, Ned Guy uh, is the, the head recruiter over there. Him wanting out, and again, I'm speculating, but that's what I do best. <laughs> hey, what's what we're doing? He's not leaking. Through. He's not leaking this stuff, and someone within the organisation is, and he's just said, "Like enough's enough. I can't, I can't do this. I can't do my job properly." When I'm getting told one thing here, one thing there, and then the, this is coming out to the media, and then I'm seen as a bad guy, and I'm 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 ready to walk. I reckon that's where it's come from, and I think look, it's backfired on Collingwood, um, and unless you support Collingwood, I think everyone loves to see them struggle. But where this could really backfire is in twelve months, like whatever happens with Trelaw and Stevenson, and like whatever happens happens, right? In 12 months, you got another player and he's coming up to re-sign and he's going, well, why would I, if I sign a long-term deal but then they also sign someone else, like look what happened to Trelaw. He did everything he could for the club. Absolutely. I think And he... then they tried to, to move him on. It's, it's, you got to treat players, especially really good ones, with a level of respect and um, professionalism, which if you believe one side of these reports hasn't happened. I think the issue is what did and didn't happen. Um, but look, you can compare it to the Bombers as well with the, the Joe Danaher stuff. Like Keeping him last year I thought was madness. Um, and it turns out, it seems like they're going to get a worse deal. Um, but you've got to, you've got to act professionally in these sorts of situations. And... But it can hurt you down the track if 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 you've got a particularly bad track record. One one instance not so bad, but if it happens on repeat, then you know I wouldn't be looking at it. Absolutely, well said. Um, I've got a I haven't taken aim for a while, so I'm feeling a bit dusty. But I've got one here off the top as we talk through trades. But I'm going to clip the administration of the sport that we uh, podcast about every week. Yes. I'm going to give the AFL a clip. I'm going to join you because you, you've, you've oh, shown love that it. it's a bit of fun. But I, Sorry, I got... the AFL or the VFL? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Acting as a VFL. Yeah, continue, continue. Yes, there's a little clip, pre-clip before the real clip. Um, no, I, I've got to give them a, 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 a clip here for, I mean, it has not been clearly put out there what list size, like the list size for each team is going to be next year. I can't believe free agency started and we're about to get into the trade period and clubs actually don't know the makeup of their lists and the structure of their lists right now. Um, and they're going into trade period. They're trying to work out who's coming and going. Um, you know, it, it, it's people's... I know, you know, we're, we're talking about these uh, players, but, you know, these are people. So this is people's lives. And, you know, there will be some right now that are sitting, I'm playing 2021, that may or may not even make it through to next year. And they're, they're not just going to be able to see that one coming because I, I don't feel like this announcement's even imminent. So we're, we're sort of... I'm sitting here going, how, how can a professional outfit such as the AFL operate under such a cloud... How can clubs recruit as they should? Uh, how can they work out their draft uh, plan? Uh, it's just farcical to me that we haven't had this sorted. It should have been 
you know, the week after the granny, this is what it's going to be in 2021, everyone knows, and we go and trade and pick our players and get draft picks and we're all good to go. But it's, you can't, it's just, it's amateur. So I'm not, I'm not happy with it, Seb. Do you think the clubs know roughly what the list size will be? At best, they probably have an educated guess, maybe a bit of word of mouth around the sort of, you know, well, I guess where where is the industry speak at the moment? It's not like they're bumping into each other at games. I know they obviously would be catching up in and around Melbourne now that they can uh, a little bit more. Um, but yeah, look, I, I'm not sure. Yeah, so you, I, I'm just suspecting that clubs will have a strong inkling um, as to what the number will be. It looks like it will be down ever so slightly, but not massively. Um, you're right. If they do want to decrease list sizes, then they should have it, you would have thought, cleared before free agency started. Um, it, Yeah, it's just how the, the AFL wants to operate, how it wants to operate. And um, there's a real lack of consideration a lot of the time because it's just how the AFL operate. But... Uh, that's a fair. It's a very fair clip. They don't know the list size and they don't know the salary cap figure. So yeah, so it's just how are some of these deals getting done. I'm thinking know. it's setting up a few. You know, if clubs aren't prepared, I mean, you can be as prepared actually as you want, and it's not going to help them potentially. So uh, I just don't like seeing that. I think we're we're a professional outfit. We should uh, should clear Agreed. that one up. Agreed. One thing they have cleared up is the look for what will be the new VFL competition for 2021. So um, does it have a name? No, I believe that's on its way. At the moment, I think they're just going VFL East Coast second tier. Is the, the, it's yeah. not very catchy yeah. at the moment. So it's a combination of New South Wales, Queensland and Victoria, second tier. Um, 22 licences have been confirmed for... Uh, Four teams next year, so there's yeah, so there's standalone AFL clubs: Brisbane, Carlton, Collingwood, Essendon, Footscray. Apparently, not the Western Bulldogs. <laughs> Ge- Ge- or maybe in this comp, it's called Footscray, but obviously it's standalone. Geelong, Gold Coast, GWS, North, Richmond, Sydney. There's three aligned clubs: Sandringham, Box Hill, and Casey, which is going to be St Kilda, Hawthorne, and Melbourne. Correct. And you've got standalone clubs. Aspley, Coburg, Frankston, Northern, Bullance, Port Melbourne, Southport, Sharks, Werribee, and Williamstown. Um, Southport were the team North were going to merge with up there in Queensland. Yeah, they, no, they actually are, are a fair operation up there. The, the Sharks, they're, uh, they're up and about. Yeah, so what I love, we've got 22 teams in that second tier comp, so um, they're actually going to be able to run and try out a few different things I think they will want to try and put into the AFL in terms of um, matchups and, and lineups. Um, trying out playing everyone once. I'm not quite sure how long that season's going to go for. Um, yeah, I think it's but, uh, slated it's going to begin in April and just run, I guess, concurrently with the you know 2021 season. Yeah. So, yeah. so I think with 22 teams, that's playing 21 games. You play yeah. everyone once. Play everyone um, once. Whether they can bring back the reserves level games because, like, if Brisbane are travelling to Melbourne, you would think if the so sorry if the Brisbane Line reserves are playing Coburg, they're going to have to travel. You think they would travel on the same week and bring all forty? Yeah, the, 
four players or you know however many. Well, yeah, because I guess the expense of the comp, they won't want to be flying teams sort of unnecessarily around if they don't have to. Like you know, just yep. off even just looking at it, I'm picturing you know Aspley out at Casey is going to be an interesting one from uh, from a budget point of view, which is something we won't see. But that that's part of this new comp, and I, I'm I look, I'm excited about it. Yeah, yeah, it's another. It's another way for the AFL to burn money, which they're very good at. Um, but on top of having those teams, they'll have connections to the community clubs and pathway programs. So that's good. There's now the under nineteen NAB league for the Victorian based teams specifically. Obviously, the under nineteens aren't going to be travelling. Um, but like, is is this the AFL going full circle? Because in the nineties, we we brought the draft in. Yep. And for, you know, finished bottom of the ladder, get the first pick. So we moved away from zones, and in the last ten years we started moving back to zones, and now we're slowly moving back to having the reserves comp and under 19s comp. Yeah, it is. And everyone it is lining kind of, up. Yeah, that's right. That's the stru- like, three tier structure at a club. There's nothing new. There's no innovative thinking here. We're just going back to what we knew because we think it might be better now. Like, I, I just. Whoever signs the checks at the AFL, they just they'd be busy wondering why why this you know ten grand's going over here. But um, look, it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, it, look, if it if it comes off and in a big way, it'll be it'll be massive for for the comp because I mean that's strong second second tier, uh, particularly I think for the for the I guess to give those teams in the NEFL. Um, you know, a chance to sort of, you know, you sort. Of, I think Brisbane's reserves went through a NEFL season last year undefeated, so they really weren't getting tested. So it's going to be good, I guess, for footy in those other states to have their reserves playing against. You know, I'm not saying Victoria are better in any way, but you know, they're playing seasoned, seasoned professional outfits more often, which will be good, I guess, for for those teams there, and uh, I guess any chance to sort of grow. Um, those games in Sydney, uh, sorry, in sorry, New South Wales and, and Queensland will be good. And I mean, yeah, if we can get the full twenty-two of those teams strong, then it's going to be magnificent for the game. So that that's a part of it I, I'm going to look out for because I feel you know they go wide and then they just drop teams off as they go. So I'm hoping if they can go the twenty-two that they can stick with the twenty-two because you know you don't want it to get it whittled down to basically you know. Brisbane, Sydney, GWS Suns, and that's it, you know, and then you sort of lose a bit. Agreed, agreed. You need to have a genuine genuine secondary tier clubs in Sydney, in Queensland, to sort of give it more legitimacy. Um, the and one thing they haven't announced is how the finals are going to look, which, you know, top if it was top half of the ladder, it was top 11, which is probably going to be too much, but top eight... Are they going to play through like we do, and then have a curtain raiser before the grand final? That's, that's um, really remember, going back. You you'd probably remember. If you I know. remember the '96 curtain raiser. North played in that. I think we won. Um, Dad and I went along to watch that before, obviously watching the big dance. Uh, but watch this space on that. Um, I just I like they're trying something new. I just wonder are they trying the new thing they're trying? Is it the old thing that? They wanted to phase out because it costs money, and now we've got more money, so we'll throw it back to the old tier. And look, we'll see, we'll see. It's um, certainly something different, to say the least. Uh, so, free agency has been running. 
Correct. Trade period starts tomorrow or today, if you're listening the day this podcast goes up. Uh, we have a few deals that have been signed off off signed off on and completed. So we've got Aiden Core coming to North Melbourne. Yeah, which to jump in there, it, I'm interested just reading a little bit of the uh, by play since uh, Reshaw heavily involved in that one. So Aiden has come out today and and said he is a bit uh, a bit sad and that he won't be able to get to work with Reese, which um, you know, we obviously hope Reese is doing well. But I, I thought that was interesting as a, you know, that that is the modern day coach, isn't it? You're as well as a sort of leader on field, you're a leader off field, you're a mentor, you're a salesperson as well. So <laughs> it is a yep. is a monster job. So yeah, um, Aiden sort of, uh, well, and he, he hasn't gone back on his word. He hasn't seen Reese leave. And I was going to say, did out. he say he doesn't want to come now? No, he is signed the papers and he is there. He's in your back line. Yeah, it probably helps. He's getting yeah, the coin might. market. <laughs> yeah. I reckon that well, helps. might help. Uh, yeah, I, I I did see that. It's interesting. If like if he if he doesn't want to get on board, it's fine. We're we're flying up the ladder, as people were saying today. You know, two year turnaround. They they were talking. Um, Zach Williams has signed with the Blues, nine hundred. We think. Yeah, um, we which obviously we mentioned off the top, yeah, talking that. about the the Sard deal. Joey Danaher has signed with Brisbane which I still find fascinating. He had to get out last year to go to Sydney, and now he has to get out to go to Brisbane. Um, and Essendon, I think, wisely decided not to match and just let that Just take a first-round pick and, and get out. Yep, yep. Rory Atkins to the Gold Coast. Um, not sure what impact that will have. He wasn't really having a great impact at Adelaide, who were... Yeah, I guess yeah, you know that, the that's the, the, comp. the Suns being opportunistic. I think they're trying to get a senior-ish body in to help a few of the youngsters. I mean, he'll, he'll be well. Look, best of luck to you, but he'll be, he'll be depth uh, and experience at best. I don't think you'll see him winning the BNF, but he helps them. He makes their list a bit better, so you can't knock agreed, them for that. And he wanted to go there, so that's a good ag- sign for the Suns. Agreed, but you wouldn't have said uh, Brandon Ellis was going to light the place on fire. Yeah, correct. Yeah, his move, and he uh, he, he was really positive for for the Suns this year. I guess um, um, a few of those veterans, or we call them veterans, but a few of those players, you know, they go there knowing, I'm, geez, I'm going to have to have an impact. They uh, sort of thrive in that kind of environment where they're the go-to, and uh, their performances really impact the group. So yeah, look, I'll, I'll keep an eye on that one in 2021. Absolutely, and uh, Isaac Smith announced he wanted to be a cat. Uh, Real interesting inside track from our man down there. No, uh, no, we I'm do. led to believe knows Isaac relatively well, um, but he's gone to Geelong on a is it a two or a three year deal? Oh, good question. I think off the top it might have been a two, but I might need to uh, check the fine print on that one. Um, I've got a feeling Hawks were offering him two plus one. Melbourne offered him three and Geelong offered him two plus one and he picked Geelong, whereas the Melbourne deal would have given him more financial security in terms of three years locked in. Um, And so I think Geelong have just really... They've really worked out the sales pitch down there. Um, A two-year deal, yeah. So that that one's a two-year... Yeah, well, I guess um, maybe... Yeah, he's a, a Ballarat boy. Maybe they've sold him on the uh, the Geelong lifestyle, a little less intense down there than it is in Melbourne. Um, is it, though? 
Well, I mean, it is it it has its own quirks. I guess it is a one-team town, so maybe it's its own magnifying glass. He won't be able to go grab a coffee without being uh, shouted out by Cats fans. But um, yeah, look, maybe I mean they came late for this one. It wasn't. It was sort of yeah, Melbourne and Willie re-signed with the Hawks, and then the Cats have sort of swooped in. And as they do, they just get their deals done early. The Cats, they just they just went bang as soon as it opened and got him. So look, well, it, did they come late? Or did it just not get reported? Yeah, true. I reckon the cats have just been working him for a while, knowing, yep, he fits the list profile. He's the sort of player we want, fast, outside run. Um, he's coming up. Let's try and sell him on, obviously, grew up in Ballarat, the country life. We can, you know, you can live a little bit out of town and still play, um, you know, still make it to training with relative ease. So I... Look, I'd say the Cats are pretty shrewd and knew what they were doing. They didn't just come in late and go, oh, yeah, we'll throw a hat in the ring. Um, nah, they, but... they don't operate that way. I mean, I'm interested because, uh, and this is not my stat of the week, this is just a stat that I dug out, but of the 609 blokes to play over 200 games, only two of those blokes have played for both uh, Hawthorne and the Cats. So they're not clubs that you... Uh, that's Gary Ablett and now Isaac Smith. Yeah, it's Gary Ablett Senior. Senior, yeah. Um, so, yeah, you don't often see these clubs going. And I, I was interested just because of the intense Cats-Hawks-Kenneth-Curse rivalry, uh, seeing Isaac go over. I mean, I'm sure as the first video they put up in the uh, on the halls as they start pre-season training might be his 2016 miss just to uh, keep him short and sharp. But it, it was an interesting one from that perspective. I thought, yeah, I mean, maybe the game softened, but, uh, you know, you, maybe back in the uh, 80s, I don't think you would have seen anyone from the Hawks going over the Bombers, for example. But I think maybe today we're a bit more sophisticated, but I am interested on that part of it. I guess, you know, they are the dreaded rival and he's played against them a lot. So as I, it become as the league becomes more and more of a business, that stuff doesn't matter. Yeah, like, it just that's a bit like, which seems sad to me, but yeah, that that's true. Yeah, but if you look, it yeah, it it's just going by the wayside a little bit. There'll still be the odd player that has really strong loyalty and a, and a hatred for a club, but it it just won't it won't stick around to the level where in the eighties, yeah, you wouldn't walk over from Hawthorne to Essendon, actually. I'm saying that. I'm sure there probably was one or two who yeah. ended up doing it. Well, I mean, uh, you, your club, uh, the, you know, the Ruse and the, and the Bombers would never really do trades. I'm talking a while back, you know. You, you've what, you've got a little... Shane Harvey? Yeah, Shane Harvey. Best Harvey you ever had. Um, it is a little... I, I do find a little bit sad, you know. It, it, it There is a little bit of that fan involvement as well when, you know, you just can't go to the dreaded rival. But I guess, yeah, the, the game has become more business-like, so that's the fans. The fans will get worked up on it. Isaac won't, Geelong won't, Hawthorne won't. It's it, it's just done. Like that's, they've got bigger fish to fry than. Uh, well, yeah. Used to play for the Hawks, now yep. you play for Geelong. Like forget True. about it. So well, I guess um, the Cats do have plenty riding it now, given that they're uh, also I guess interested in Higgins and now Isaac. They're not spring chickens, so they're in the win now. Well, they already were, but they've put it into overdrive. The Cats, it's win a flag next yep. year or bust. So that'll be something. My to keep word, an eye they on have. Too. Jeremy Cameron will help. Yeah, so that one's put through. Giants have matched uh, the offer there, which I don't think the Cats fully expected, um, which is which is interesting. So I think that goes now to trade, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. That's the system. Yep. So, uh, I mean, the Cats are sitting on plenty of first-round picks after the Tim Kelly deal, so whether a few of those end up going to the Giants, I don't know. 
how much the Giants want more of those picks. They're in a real cycle of just they have talent for a number of years and then they want out and then they get more picks, get that talent through. They want to leave. They just keep... They're in this cycle of just churning through first-round picks and their good players going. So I'm I'm interested to see how that one plays out because, um, yeah, they've dug the heels in the Giants. They're not too happy and I don't blame them because he is a real cultural player for them. Um, I think he's won their goal kicking in every season and um, you know, he was sort of uh, I mean last year when when they made the granny he was ap- absolutely flying as a common medalist and he put the club on the map really in their early days when even when they were going shocking you know, he's kicking big bags so he, he's a real foundation player, a real big loss so I'm not surprised they've dug the heels in Yeah, he, um, he goes alright, Jeremy Cameron he goes alright Tom to say the least yeah <laughs> uh, it's got, it's got to be two first rounders, doesn't it? Um, if you're going, what player do you want as the Giants? I know um, Asava Radagalia's name's been thrown up. Yeah, that's been it's in sort it. of a you throw him plus a first rounder. Um, Geelong won't want to get rid of any young talent because they ain't they need something coming through the, the ranks. Um, they don't necessarily have to have a lot, but you can't replenish all of that overnight. Um, but like, what what player as the Giants are you asking for? Well, yeah, I guess. I mean, if they're asking for Managola, yeah, they've got to they've got to go big. He he would probably suit them in that he's probably right in that age bracket that they want. Obviously, uh, I mean Guthrie would be nice, but he's just come off a of BNF, so they're not going to go him. Uh, I've heard Charlie Constable's name thrown out there. I mean, he's struggled to get into the team, and and I mean his name has been bandied about, but I mean the Giants aren't short of good quality youngsters, so I don't think he gets the deal done. Um, I mean, it, it, it's a fair question. I mean, I, I'm, I'm trying to think of, you know, who, who would you say is, if the Cats are building their list around one of their youngsters, who that youngster is, I think it's still to be shown. So it'll it'll be, yeah, it's just one I'm keeping an eye out on there, uh, especially if it goes goes to trade. I mean, yeah, you're talking about sweeteners. I mean, maybe Big Sav gets in there. I mean, you know, he almost cracked the team at the, at the pointy end this year. So, I mean, he'd be a fair one for them. Whether or not he can replicate it over at the Giants, I know that the Cats put a lot of faith in him, so there's probably a little bit in that. Uh, you know, they've they've grown the talent, so whether he can fly elsewhere. But look, let's wait and see on that one. Uh, the other one, I guess, that was put through that we're still waiting on is uh, Crouch. Look, I, I'm thinking from with my Saints hat on, as I somehow end up doing on this show. Um, you know, I think it was a good deal if we didn't have to give anything up. If he if he came across, you know, Adelaide got their compo. Yes, he was costly, but I think we do have the room to pay it. Um, but if he's going to cost us our first round pick, then I've got big reservations. Just just because, uh, yeah, I guess that it's the off field stuff that uh, worries me. On field as well, uh, it'll be interesting how he fits in the team. Uh, you know, he's a known accumulator of the footy. How that. Uh, Suits someone like Seb Ross. He probably jumps ahead of him in our pecking order in the midfield. Good for our midfield to have someone of his talent. But, uh, yeah, if we lose that first round, it really, really uh, not a good deal for us. So let's keep an eye on that one. So um, but do you have any other deals coming through that you're hearing at the moment, Seb? Uh, nothing officially done. Nothing officially done. There's obviously rumours uh, sort of flying around everywhere. Um but nothing, nothing officially done that's new. Um, 
Do you want to get stuck into a few rumours? Yeah, look, I don't have too many as well because I, I, I was a bit like you. I right. sort of wanted to sit and see how things uh, pan out. I'm happy with that to first shoot week. one off to but you. That yeah, I just look, heard. I've got I've got some, so we'll go with it as well. Um, just reported, Paddy McCartan and the Blues. Uh, I think he, they're looking, I guess, to add to that key forward stocks. Um, I guess, yes, if if he's got his head and his con- uh, concussion issues right, he's a bit of a free hit. Um, we reported a while ago, Dunkley to the Bombers. That's really grown legs since we. Uh, I'm not saying we. I'm not claiming it, but we went with it a, a couple of weeks ago, and that that one's really got legs. And yeah, just just seeing where uh, Trelaw lands because, yeah, like we mentioned with the Pie story, um, you know that that big salary and and uh, what he's expected to be paid maybe scaring a few clubs away. So let's keep an eye on that one. What have you got for us? Uh, well, along the lines of the pies, I heard Jaden Stevenson was potentially coming across to my club, North Melbourne. Ooh, that's an interesting which, one. Yeah, I, I don't mind us bringing him in because there's a bit of X Factor there. Yeah, you wouldn't mind seeing him and uh, Taron Thomas in a, in a forward line. I think that'd be a good good mix. Yeah, my word, it would be. Uh, not so much a rumour, but one thing that's concerning me is North Melbourne still haven't got a senior coach. And trade period starts tomorrow, so yeah. So who who's calling the shots there? Uh, you know, football operations is Brady Brady Rawlings uh, in there calling if shots. If you believe or... old uh, Caro, uh, Glenn Archer runs the club a bit like Dan Andrews runs Victoria, with an iron fist. <laughs> uh, is he qualified to be doing that, Arch? Like running a football club? I'm not sure of his uh, credentials. I, I, I'm just keen to know them. I don't want to uh, besmirch his name if he does have them, but I'm thinking it's he's just your journeyman clubman. He's been around the club environment. <sighs> journeyman clubman? No, no, no. When I say Norm no... Smith medalist. I'm not, I'm not... No, I'm saying Whoa. journeyman as in length of... He's been a, in the AFL system basically for, you know, 25 plus years. He is by no means a journeyman. I know he is okay. a saint down at the Roos and I don't want to uh, pot the shin boner of the century, a, a great of, of the game. So, um, but yeah, is he a, does he have that, that background in, you know, I guess footy operations or managing a large institution, I guess you could say? No, well, no, he, I don't think he does. And I... I wonder from the outside looking in, has it hurt us in the last 12 months? Because obviously they appointed Reece Shaw um, with a not-so-thorough process. I think they went in thinking they were going to lure one of Longmire, Simpson or Clarkson, which just didn't straight up didn't happen. Went back on sort of what they said and, no, 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 we, we always wanted Reece. Um, no one's fault. Reece hasn't panned out for obviously stuff you probably couldn't see coming. Uh but my concern is with these coaches, they're then going to hire the next coach. And if that doesn't work out, they'll hire the next coach. And then you just run into it, run around yeah, the circle. Yeah, it's a cycle. It's hard to keep them responsible. Um, look, I'm not... Yeah, I mean, you do have Rusey in there. I think he is on yeah, the, I'm not, the selection it paddle. Me. It doesn't, it doesn't excite, excite me. No, don't like poor Ruse. And uh, Ross Lyon has ruled himself out. If you were thinking of of his yep. uh, his help, but yeah, look to go back on that one. So Rusey, not not as positive for you. Oh, no, I just look. I've said it before. He's considered the Messiah of coaching because he won a grand final by a point. If you, <laughs> if you lose that grand final, he's he's Ross Lyon. 
just a defensive-minded coach who couldn't get it done on the big stage. Oh, There's really that, no that difference hurts. between them, is there? Well, yeah, look, it's just the flag and, um, yeah, not a, the line in between those two is very thin and now a lot of memories are rushing back, so thanks for that. But um, Yeah, no, no, my point is not to try and pot anyone's resume, but there is very little difference between Ross Lyon and Paul Ruse. In Ross Lyon learnt under Paul Ruse similar game styles. Ross got to three grand finals, coached four grand finals effectively, didn't win any. Paul Ruse got to two, won one by a slim margin. And Paul Ruse turned around the culture and changed the club's fortunes. And Ross Lyon, people pot him because he didn't win a flag. And Scarlet Topoke, uh, Milne, if he just picked it, like, I'm not trying to. You got one there, there's the lots of moments. What, what about Fife, if, yeah. if Fife could just yeah, kick thanks. goals, so if, Fife well. was, if Fife was Dusty, Freo would probably win that game because um, <laughs> Dusty finds the goals. But my point is, look, I, I hope they get the right coach. I just It's concerning. So we haven't been able to recruit players. It's been a big knock on North for a few years. Now we're trying to recruit, but we can't tell you who your senior coach is. And isn't yeah, that an important detail you a, want if you're going to come chip. to us? Um, so I just, yeah. Yeah, look, my, my rumour, the one I had coming in was a Paddy McCartan, which he jumped on early. Uh and I've got a very far out there rumor about a merger, but I don't think there's any. Ooh, I'm interested in uh, the merger don't debate, but maybe we, we that. save that we'll for save, a future, future we'll save podcast. save the merger one. talk um, for how. I've got many thoughts on how the AFL can truly make it a national comp versus the current VFL with a few states involved. So we'll save that. Yeah, let's save now, that. Not to hark back on the Brad Crouch point about how the deal gets done, but. With this free agency, restricted free agency, and, and what's been referred to as the herbs and spices recipe the AFL used to determine what compo pick goes through for what player, um, I've got a basic outline as to how free agency and draft picks and contracts should work in the AFL. So if you talk to anyone who follows American sports, they believe the contract should be honoured fully by both player and club. So you can't just tear up a contract halfway through and then start again yep. and the players shouldn't hold the players shouldn't hold sway when they've got a contract I don't want to play there I don't want to play there I'm not going to sign there so I'm not going to talk about that that in itself is another issue um, I'm talking about how free agency should work restricted free agency and more so around it's coming into effect after eight years of service with one club so what it how these contracts should be structured to give a lot more transparency is I think players drafted should be signed to a four-year deal. Currently, it's two. Yeah, it's two. So yeah. you're signed to two years, and then after the two, you have to re-sign. So I think it should be four years. After four years, the player can choose to opt out. If they opt out, they're a restricted free agent. After they, four? Four after years? After four. All right. If they opt in, they can play out all five years of their contract. And then they can, um, then they become a complete full free agent. So no restrictions on moving, no compensation, nothing. So with the current structure and with the CBA, there's no way the players are going to agree to being traded anywhere without their consent. So let's. I'm trying to talk realistic stuff. So, like I said, people who follow mainly the NBA just forget that in the NFL you can tear up a contract, you can restructure it. Um, 
like the AFL, there's no reason you'd restructure a contract to pay yourself a hell of a lot less money. Um, it's more so done so players can get out, give cap relief to the club, all that sort of stuff. So after a four-year contract, let's say you want to opt out. You've, got, you, you've gone to North. North is still terrible. I, I, I want out. Um, so you can opt out. You're a restricted free agent. You go and sign with Collingwood. North have the option to match, and we can match the deal, and you're, you're locked in with that deal. If we decide not to match, that's completely our call, but no compo for it. Yeah, so they just they just go no to compensation. the club. North you can, loses you the youngster. The, you have the ability to keep them and hold on to them, and that's your call, or you can let them walk, get the cap relief as to what you would have been paying them, and, and try and find someone who actually wants to stay at your club. So put that out there. If they stay for all five and then they still want to walk, that's on you. If you can't convince a player after four or five years to stay at your club, yeah, so you shouldn't be getting handouts for it. If, for whatever reason, after two years, the players well outperform their contract and you go to them, right, we're going to offer you a new two-year deal. We want to pay you X. It's a lot more. Um, this whole restricted, non-restricted, that goes out the window. And then they're at the end of that, that's their second contract. You're a free agent. You've signed two contracts. Um it would take out the uh, the compensation and the herbs and spices, so people would know what play that they would know the situation. Like it, it's a farce that Adelaide are choosing whether or not to match as to whether or not they get the right compo pick, not whether they want the player, yeah, not whether right, it's a fair it? deal. Like if St Kilda came in and offered him a million, oh, I don't want to match that. That's far too much. But Adelaide, are like. Well, we want to keep him. We just don't want to lose him for nothing. So we're going to try and get as much as we can, which under the current system, fair enough, that's what you do. But I just I can't see how it's it's not helping the player movement. And they'll find once they get the player movement happening more and more and more, it opens up the game. Suddenly this player X can move up to here. You've got more players in the Gold Coast because they've got more money. Um, you can really start building it and, and you get, the players themselves can become more brands and more player movement just means more trade talk, which means more media coverage for the AFL, which means more money for the player with for the T V deal, which means more money in the CBA, which means more money everywhere. So Look, it it, it sounds it sounds good all round. I mean I'm interested I guess it, it gives a little bit more power to the clubs, if I'm not mistaken, given that um Yeah, you a know, little particularly bit more power that, but less comp like there's no compensation because you haven't signed a player, like yeah, if, that, if it, that is a bit of a after hole four in our to five right years, now. After four to five years, if you can't get that player wanting to stay, you've got to fix what's wrong at your club and you're not getting combo for it. Like currently every club, you know, if someone, restricted free agent goes, I want I want this pick, I want that pick. And, and then the picks that are given are pick 19 for Buddy versus pick two for Crouch. Like, tell me that's fair. Like, it's just not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's right. It's biased part of our system, so... Um, I think they need to have longer draft contracts for those first yeah, well, that, draft picks, which gives you the time to win them over. You reckon if it's four years? So that that was the part of I just wanted to jump in on was yeah whether whether that was long. I mean, does that puts more pressure I guess on the recruiters to get it right? Because if you have a bust, you're stuck with a bust for four years. So that that I guess that it you know maybe it how many it. times do you know you've got a bust after two? Never. They all sign them to new deals. Almost always. I get I get giving them four years uh, makes the clubs have to commit a little bit more initially, right? But you've got to remember, for, for us to get this into the new CBA, 
when I say us, I just mean footy in general. You've got to give something to get something. So the clubs are losing the compensation and all that sort of stuff, but they're getting more guaranteed stuff around first-round picks. So that means you're not looking at this kid from Perth and going, I don't want to draft him because he'll be gone in two years. I'll draft this local kid who's not as good. You'll take the kid from Perth because you got him for five years. Like, Yeah, look, I don't know. mind that. I mean... Yeah, it'll help, um, I guess, bring bring those youngsters in. I mean, I, I am thinking, um, you know, will they arc up, I guess, after that two-year period, you do see some of the, the first-rounders, um, you know, sign a, you know, a pretty sizable deal for that point of their careers. Maybe, I don't know, if it complicates matters in your system to have some sort of first-round proviso that they can do things differently and, and that really puts the, you know, the emphasis on that no, first well, round or you just want to have a blanket the whole system. So uh, I'm just talking, so, for example, like at the Suns, you know, Rankin, Lakotius, Ben King, they really want to keep them. They, I think they've all extended and they've extended on good money in those, you know, third, fourth, fifth year. So under your system, they'd be on that real rookie contract for four years, whether that is something that they want in the game, the players. Yeah, so it wouldn't have to be at the rookie level. I think you can scale it based on first, second, and third round picks. Um, but if you're a third round pick and you know you've got a four-year deal in the system, you're going to take it. Um, under my system, you would still be able to rip the contract up and go with a new one. So after two years, uh, yeah, Matty Rowe, you've got nine Brownlow votes in your first three games. We think you're going to be a star. We're going, we want to pay you more. So after... Two years, here's a three-year deal on 800 a year. After that five years, they're, they're a complete free agent. There's no restricted, there's no nothing. Um, you can't give a player two contracts and then if they still want to leave, hold them over a barrel because of the way the system works. It Yeah, I see that gone. point. Yeah, so, yeah I, think, I think clubs and players should have the ability to rip the contracts up. Um, to, not rip them up, but adjust them or change them and pay them more, um, all that sort of jazz. Um, but I think... I think it gets rid of a lot of uncertainty in terms of, oh, I don't think he's going to stay. We've only got him for two years. Like, it, Ideally, you would have addressed that before GWS and Gold Coast came into the system because like, after his first year, Tom Boyd said, nah, don't want to play here. Like, I'm gone at the end of next year. Trade me here now. Yeah. You know, trade that- the dogs a million a year. And that ended up being probably detrimental to him in terms of pressure and expectation. But... Um, just having a one-year player being able to do that, whereas if he was stuck on a four-year plus-one deal, he could have threatened all he want, and they just say, sorry. Like, yeah, that, you that's play right. Footy, you're staying here. Um, and then addressed it at the four-year mark where you've got time to win him over because and right now we're talking about winning over 19, 20-year-olds who, like, I wasn't ready to travel and play footy and do all that sort of stuff at 20. Like I was, I was look, a it's a fair time. point. By the time the the deal's done, you know they're in their their early twenties, and they, they I guess they know the industry itself. So look, I don't, I don't mind it. As, I, I like as well. Yeah, the the compo pick's gone. I think, uh, yeah, as you said, I mean we're seeing it now. Clubs playing and toying with the amounts of you know financial backing, and it's affecting the compo and. Look, I feel some clubs only sort of agreed to a few of these compo, uh, a few of these free agent deals because they got compo. Um, I don't think, you know, for example, the D's wanted Frawley to walk, but getting picked two was a pretty nice little sweetener. So it uh, it really well, helped that one happen. So I mean, a few of the deals. Jeremy could... Cameron's the first one to get matched. 
yeah, the, well, there you go. How many years in are we? So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting. Well, look, let's let's keep an eye on how it, it shapes moving forward. I think there are a lot of rumblings, here, yeah, particularly about that compo. I don't think, yeah, it's a perfect system. I do like your system. So, AFL, if you're listening, we have great ideas on this show. That was one of them. Please, uh, please email us, 12rosback at gmail.com, and all our listeners as well. Get the mailbag question in there. I've got a stat of the week. Uh, Harry Taylor retired during the week, HT3. The milk-drinking, handshake-with-ham-in-his-hand, cognac-loving cat. Uh, just a little one. From 2012 to 2020, uh, Cats players kicking multiple bags of five-plus. Tomahawk's done it 19 times. Harry Taylor's done it the next most at four, ahead of Podziadli with three. So he knows... Where the goals are, Harry, even though he was a fantastic defender, fantastic career, and well done on that to him. So that, that's my stat of the week. And Seb, you've got a little something for us. I wouldn't have picked that. I wouldn't have picked him to have it. Like, I've yeah. always seen him as a swing man. He might kick two or three, but not five. Like, that's... Yeah, that's I feel a, uh, a few few uh, Saturday Arvos at the Cattery might have got a hold of a couple of teams uh, out out there. But yeah, I, that's what jumped oh, out Oh, look me. it up. Probably against the Cats. Oh, sorry, against the Suns and the Giants in their early days or something. Yeah, well, I mean, you're talking forward. 2012 to 2020, so it probably is that era, and that is the kind of team that they play down there usually, your uh, interstate team. Uh, you've My got, word. You've now, got uh, in the spirit uh, off the top was racing season. I'm a racing man, and this is a little racing stat for you. So I hope you, wherever you were, you got to watch the Melbourne Cup. It was a fantastic win by Twilight Payment. Now, led all the way. Now... If you put his performance in that in the Melbourne Cup last year at the pace they ran, with 600 metres to run, he would have been leading by 50 lengths. Jeez, 50 so lengths. So that's how much quicker they were going this year versus last. Um, I think it was 18 to 19 lengths above average this year. Um, and he won running all the way. So normally, if you're a front runner, you want to burn slow sectionals so you can conserve your energy to pull off the, the finish. Normally, if someone goes that fast, the back markers sort of start coming into it right at the end, and Prince of Aaron sort of did. But, um, yeah, 50 lengths one that, year to the next in what is the best staying race in the world, we think. Um, yeah, yeah, quite a big quite a big discrepancy there. Yeah, that I'm, I'm pretty stunned by that. I mean, yeah, hats off to the uh, track workers at Flemington. It looks absolutely superb out there today, so... Um, perfect conditions for it. Uh, yeah, uh, that is quick. Uh, mate, let's keep uh, an eye on that one next year and, and just see how it's placed, but maybe one of the quickest of all time. Thanks to you, Seb, for, for today's podcast. We'll, we'll continue these. Obviously, Trade Week starting, and we're looking forward to uh, getting in and yeah, get, getting onto our sources and getting you a few more rumours, a few more deals getting done. Hopefully, by this time next week, there'll be plenty to discuss and, and a few of those the thing I enjoy about trade week is those deals that we don't see coming I think uh, it's all fun and games to try and guess and know things that are uh, about to happen but those ones that come out of the blue are usually the ones I keep an eye out for so let's look out for that Seb any last words? No 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 last words Tom just stay safe everyone uh, we're looking forward to Melbourne opening back up and being able to really get out and about 